Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to 4th and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is Jake Grant and UWA and Washington. It took them a quarter to figure it out, but really laid the lumber to Boise State with an emphatic 56-19 to 19 win. Um, what a great way to start the season. Before we get into the meat of this, uh, Leah, I really want to know what the atmosphere was like in game one. I was supposed to be there. My oldest got sick, wasn't able to recover enough to go. So we, uh, we watched it from home. I appreciate you winning the dad award. Um, that's a good dad move. Um, it was a great game. It was, it was real hot. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, 85 ish pushing 90 near the end of the game. Um, when we walked out about a little, a little before five. Um, but you know what? Fans were really engaged. Shout out to Boise. They travel well. They, wear orange they are really loud um except when they're losing so they were really loud in the first quarter and didn't hear a lot after that so really engaged fans i thought um you know gave appropriate props to the kids out on the field i really loved how much uh, love we gave to dylan morris when he came in the game because that's a guy who is just given everything that he's got to this program and he's such a consummate team player. So it's so nice to not only see him play, but also get an amazing touchdown pass. That was really cool. Um, one too. He really did. That was, that was pretty great. Um, but you know what? Ultimately we had a pretty good fan turnout for it being a September 2nd game. Kids are still not in school, so we're not going to have a full student section, but we had a pretty good student section showing, uh, alumni band so we're not even getting our full band out there but we had free I would say I mean you're not going to get the official count because it's about tickets sold not butts and seats but I, w- I would say it was probably between like 62 and 67,000 okay I could be completely wrong about that but we were loud when it counted and we had a lot to cheer about so thank goodness for that yeah uh Jake overall take of the game all four quarters culminating uh, yeah, I mean, Leah mentioned it the first quarter, um, you know, I was kind of losing my mind. Uh, I was getting super sick. Of, I, I, I started to kind of curse Ryan Grubb's name a little bit with the horizontal passing game. The hog farmer? Um, what? The hog farmer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out Ryan Grubb's a lot smarter than I am because I, after watching the entire game and and kind of processing the whole thing. It's a necessary evil. It didn't work those two downs, which culminated in, you know, three, you know, a uh, third down incompletion or uh, both failures. I think both were completions, but they didn't pick up the first downs. But they needed to suck the safeties in tighter to the line of scrimmage to start taking the top off of the defense. And it worked. And then it never stopped the rest of the game. Michael Penix had his throws where he wanted, when he wanted. And, uh, you know, my favorite part about that whole game is Michael Penix wasn't even the best quarterback on Washington's offense. He was the third best quarterback. (laughs) You already mentioned Dylan Morris. He had a better QBR than Michael Penix. And Jalen McMillan had a better completion percentage than Michael Penix. So a leading candidate for the Heisman was the third best quarterback on that team on Saturday. That's pretty special to me. Sounds like they're just going to send those three to New York. I, I, that needs to be just the three. I don't know. But, um, you know, me and you talked a little bit over the day. The defense was wearing on me a little bit. Um, they're susceptible to the run, the run game. Um, 
and and but they they did a good job against that quarterback man he's a big strong kid he's agile he's able to run and they kind of kept him on lock a little bit so i mean overall from looking at all four quarters i think that there's a lot of room for improvement but they still just absolutely handled a really good boise state team by the end of the game yeah. yeah, I think to your, your to your point in your previous podcast, you guys, you you I think it was mostly Jake that said that like this is a team that could very well run the tables the rest of this year after Washington. Mm-hmm. This is a team that very likely will win ten games, maybe even eleven. This might be their only loss. And one of the kiddos that I was with um, turned to me in the late third quarter and said, "Gosh, like why is Boise so crappy?" And I said, "Buddy." Boise isn't crappy. We're just really good. And you know what? We're going to make a lot of folks look real bad this year. And it's not because they're bad. It's because UW is just that good. Yeah, 100%. And I really liked the way I was also frustrated with the beginning of the game. Boise State was clearly loading up the box. Uh, They tried to establish the run game early, but they also had guys back where the openings in the field were right in that intermediate range. And that's where they first started really taking advantage. Uh, the first one was Jalen McMillan over the middle for, you know, an explosive play. And then all of a sudden, like you were saying, Jake, this, the top flew off and all of a sudden it's what we were used to seeing last year, right? Wide receivers wanting wide open and, you know, the beat down was on mental states in the first quarter, Jake. Not good. Uh, my poor wife, she (laughs) has to witness mental breakdown, Jake, every Huskies game in the first quarter. And she, were you throwing your hat? Were you throwing your hat, Jake? Not quite. No, not yet. That's a second half thing. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that is a second half thing. But every first quarter, if we don't start 21 to nothing, Jake, (laughs) and I am a mental midget. And every week she's like, you do this every week. And I'm like, honey, I know, but I I can't stop it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, not awesome, Trev. Not great. Not the best look for me, you know? I feel like you're asking that question just to single me out right now. (laughs) You know, Leah was calm, cool, and collected like she always is. You know I'm a mental midget. Oh, 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 contraire, mon frere. (laughs) Oh, contraire. I was texting with one of my besties, shout out Jcap, and I believe the text message chain as I was sitting in the stadium was, hey, are you wanting to shoot yourself? And he was like, I'm absolutely not upset and I'm not irrationally angry right now. How about you? And I said, like, I would like um, compensation for the emotional damage that I've been through in this first quarter. That was the extent of our text messages. Mm-hmm. I was upset. You can ask my boyfriend. Jason was just like, hey, calm down. I was just like, we're going to lose this game. We're going to lose this game. This is ridiculous. Because after you've sat through Montana, you guys, you don't take anything lightly. And it's just like, this is what it looked like. But what I will say, and this is credit to Kaylin DeVore and his staff, is that you can start slow in the staff and still recover and absolutely throw a beat down another team. And just because you have a couple of drives that don't go according to plan does not mean the rest of the game is going to go like that. Unlike what we saw against Montana two years ago. Yeah. And I'm glad you said, I'm glad that you said that too, because in my mind, when, when we hit those two horizontal passes, like the screen passes, bubble screens to McMillan and it got stuffed. That's all I saw the rest of the game in my head was just horizontal throw, horizontal throw. And I'm thinking, 
what what are we doing why are we even why are we even doing scrub stop stop being dumb like me like let's let's make, play some good calls and make some good calls and do some good plays and then it was like he he was 10 steps ahead of me obviously but he then he was 10 steps ahead of Boise State's defensive coordinator and uh he knew what he was doing but i mean at the end of the day i calmed down i mean it was it was it was that second quarter where I was like, hey, if we get one score right here, we're looking good. And then it was mm-hmm. two scores. And then we got the ball back. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, it could be mm-hmm. three scores. Mm-hmm. You know, just an onslaught of, of offense within, what what was it, four minutes? Yeah, it, w- it went from, I think even Robert Griffin III said on the TV, like, this was a close game 30 seconds ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it went on a dime. Like, we yeah. went from – biting our nails to feeling pretty comfortable, even though Boise came back and kicked that field goal at the end of the half, I still felt pretty confident going into halftime because it really felt the the Huskies had had caught their groove. Mike settled in Jalen does what Jalen does and it felt good. Yeah. And, and shout out RG three too. That guy is the best play by play guy in the game. Not even close. Oh dude, my dad came over to watch the game with me and he's like, I hate RG there. I was like, I think you hate RG three because we played him so many times, you know, as fans with the, with the Huskies and then the Seahawks. And he was a good player. So you naturally hate somebody that you think is going to beat your team. But then listening to him do play-by-play and being the color guy for – was that ABC? Uh, is the best thing on television. I absolutely love him on TV. Absolutely. He's the, he's the best. He is a combination of incredibly knowledgeable, great on camera – infectiously positive and yeah. insightful commentary and just fun funny yeah. like i think didn't he come up with big penis penix energy he did yeah he did so he, he had is... what in the fabiclin on and ready to go like <laughs> yeah yeah and then he's really, out here going i'm really two and go, i'm two and oh in races against animals and they showed it <laughs> this dude has done everything and, i mean shout out to a guy who can literally jump into montlake split his pants and then go on tv later <laughs> yeah. no not everybody in the game can do that but rg3 props he, to you he's the best in the business man i love having him he's I think of anybody, he's 100% the best person because it feels like he's just really enjoying himself. Like yeah, a lot of color guys, they can be kind of like, like Jim Moore kind of drab and, and it's so analytical that they're not fun to listen to where, I mean, I feel like at halftime after he's done doing his segment, he would go out and go to, you know, go to a tailgate. The yeah. only negative to him taking taking the top spot in my color and anal- analysis position is that he took it away from Brock Heward. Yeah, it but he's Brock- better. I, I will I, I will say that we can all with the purple and gold glasses say that Brock is great and he is, but what it makes RG3 special is that he is infectiously magnanimously positive mm-hmm. and he does not wear purple and gold. He is yeah. not a, le- a legend in our in our uh, you know, our halls. So it means more coming from a guy who went to Baylor, who is not from the Pacific Northwest to cover this team, like a fanboy. It's amazing. And it's yeah. so fun to watch, to see somebody with that much press and cred come in here and just be having a ball. Hey, and hey, he does Fred. that for every team that he, he does. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's really high on Michael Penix. Um, I, if he's a Heisman voter, he, I, he would have had him, uh, in the top three last year, he believes that Washington's receiver room is the best in the country. But even with that, 
listening to him on other calls, he's he's just that good at his job. Yeah, like, he's a he's a fan of football, right? Um, yeah. And when they came up with the poll uh, in the first quarter, Trev, did you instantly know who the answer was? Yes. Uh, right, I and know. I thought of you. <laughs> I like, it was it was how many? Uh, what basically like what bowl game has the most total points in the history of bowl games? <laughs> yeah. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if the next one's like twenty points closer. Like that, that was an insane game. Um, but but back to this one. One of the things that I've noticed about the defense is even the touchdown they gave up to the start, the first touchdown of the game. There was two guys that were there to make the tackle, but they were they were fast and in a hurry, and they fell over each other. Uh, and I felt like that was a theme when Boise did make some plays. It was from over pursuit. And mm-hmm. I, I think that when they get that, you know, locked down where they can feel themselves over, over pursuing that the screen is coming. Cause we saw it bite them twice um, that that's going to change. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that DeBoer is going to fix in practice, right? He's going to look at the film and he's going to go, Here's what we don't want to do. We don't have, want to have two guys chasing the football that are going to be in the same. It's like it's like route running, right? You don't want two guys to run a route and end up in the same place and have a ball thrown to them. Mm-hmm. You don't want two defenders tripping over themselves when they're trying to trying to catch a fast quarterback. Yeah. Um, so spreading of the field, just like on a kickoff, you need to spread the field and you need to have defenders spread so that you can cover every inch of the, of the sideline to sideline. So, I mean, that's something that he's going to figure out over the, I would assume the next week. Mm-hmm. Speaking of kickoffs, I agree. Uh, <laughs> kick coverage was uh, Dude, pretty good. They killed a guy. <laughs> I, I have to say that this might be the first time in recorded memory that a first game of the season, I'm going to give the highest grade of the three phases to special teams. Yeah. No kidding. Field position was unbelievable after the first kickoff and kick coverage. Two in a row. I mean, Maurice Himes, uh, there's an APAB out for his arrest. I mean, he corrupts <laughs> that guy. But then he's wanted the next... in all 50 states for murder. <laughs> yeah, that, that was insane. And like, <laughs> it, 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 the guy ended up fumbling on the turf, but like, <laughs> big ups for him for holding on to it. Maybe it was just rigor mortis holding on to the ball. But I quoted, uh... <laughs> I quoted Steve Carroll from Anchorman when that hit happened. I, I, I I just killed a guy. I just killed a guy with a yeah. Rick, you're gonna want to lay low for a while because you're probably wanted for murder. Everybody looked at me like no idea what I was talking about. I was like, I wish Trevor was here. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, like the next play, I was, and I'm I'm mixing up my story a little bit, but wasn't the next that drive, the camfab pick, and then it felt like two minutes later they were kicking off again, and again it wasn't. It wasn't Himes level assault, but it was another one where they hit him hard. And, you know, we've seen some pretty bad kick coverage over the years. And it was just really nice to see Washington consistently get down there uh, and really stop field position with some really emphatic tackles. It was about that time that the, the, the change of the tide started rolling in right when that special teams did happened. We scored, and I do believe that those two quick touchdowns before the first half was over were both 48 seconds of game time 
from possession of ball to touch. I believe you. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, my dad looked There's... at me and was like, I think those were the exact same time. And we went back and looked and they were the same time. It was pretty bonkers. I mean, they just took the top right off of that defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So uh, two plays, 73 yards, 43 seconds, Washington, 21 points, 28 points, three plays, 40 yards, 43 seconds. Yeah, yeah. 43 seconds that up that was impressive it's it's insane i mean it's it's so fast and it's so good I, scoring in bunches for that offense is gonna be no problem all year yeah I and do, by, I, by that point especially when it's uh, it's a, a a double digit lead going into the half um at that point you're sitting really pretty what was that moment where you were like oh okay washington has really kicked it into gear because I, I think for all of us it was in the second quarter mm-hmm what play was it for you guys, uh, Leah? Um, honestly, it just it really started with the the Jalen McMillan first touchdown. Honestly, it just it really felt like that opened up the can of worms. The the whoop ass was coming after that, and uh, I have a hard time not picking Jalen for the offensive player of the game. He was absolutely like to Jake's point earlier had a one thousand percent completion, um, a rushing and passing touchdowns. He was absolutely just on his game. And um, the other one that was that really stood out to me, this doesn't come until the second half, but Jack Westover um, absolutely capitalized on the fact that you cannot leave Roman single coverage. You cannot leave Jalen in single coverage. And who does that leave? Your big tight end with sticky hands. And Jack is going to be one of those guys that is going to capitalize on the fact that our wide receiving room is absolutely stacked and you know what so are our tight ends if Devin Culp can hang on to the football in a tricky situation at the goal line we're looking at what a 63 points on you know which is uh but uh, yeah I, I would say that starting it off with that Jalen McMillan touchdown really felt like okay if we can nail that I feel good about the rest of the game and it, and it just cascaded from there for me, it was the uh, it was the touchdown pass to Jalen Polk. Ah. That kind of I know, sorry, Trev, but it, it it took what was a close game and it made it twenty one to nine. And from there, I felt comfortable. Um, I still didn't feel comfortable when it was still fourteen to nine. Yeah. To be honest, um, I thought that Boise State had the capability to score with us if they could. Um, and so when we went up 21 to nine and that offense started to look like it really started mm-hmm. rolling, I, I started feeling really comfortable at that point. I, I started feeling really good after Cam Fab had his takeaway. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that has worked his tail off. He doesn't always get the cred that he deserves, but that was a heads up play. Um, and it took the ball away from Boise State who was marching. So it really ended up being a pretty good play. So um that's when I started to feel like, okay, our defense is also flexing as well as our offense. We're all kind of rolling at the same time. That started, I started to feel better about the game around that time too. Yeah. And to be honest with you, just the defensive back room, Elijah Jackson got burned early. Um, he got burned. A, he, he got a penalty called on him later, but Devon Banks looks like a totally different player than he was last year. Three pass breakups in one game. One was in that second quarter that really helped get, Washington on track and then Jabbar Muhammad he he was just plastered on guys I mean yeah mm-hmm. it, it felt like Jabbar Muhammad was like a don't, just don't throw there anymore yeah it was kind of like a Richard Sherman-esque it, it felt point. like it I mean it I, I remember three specific throws maybe just two where they 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 tempted him and it would he was draped all over the guy yeah 
you know, we also, we have the center field position at T-Mobile Park, which is the no-fly zone. It's going to turn into Jabbar Muhammad's uh, neighborhood as well. It's going to start, we're still going to start going like that. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, he, we we haven't seen that in a while. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, really good to see the cornerback room develop. I mean, they were young last year. They were injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were out of position. And I, I feel like, you know, Mish Powell made a play early where, uh, he was right there when the guy caught the ball to kind of torpedo himself in between hit the ball and the receiver to knock it out. Uh, I, I just, I think that they're going to, there was definitely bumps that we're going to talk about later on, but uh, you know, I think that the guys are in the right spot and they're going to develop and continue to get better in those positions. Um, third quarter comes out. They're pinned their ears back. Eddie gets a sack. Next play is a big screen for a touchdown. Um, even with that, you know, they tried to get it within eight. I, I was, I was pretty confident if Washington could score another touchdown that it was probably game over. I would agree. I think that that's the danger of the coins hating us at kickoff. Yeah. You know, we, we lost the, we lost the coins. It feels like we always lose the coins. And, um, if what, you know, Boise state was going to come out and they weren't going to lay down even after they went down pretty big at halftime and getting that first score after halftime is not ideal, but it turns out that was their last score. Yeah. So we were able to slam the door, get a, get a touchdown within two minutes, um, and not allow them to even really sniff the end zone or even the field goal for the rest of the game. And that's really where it counts. So it's like, it's not, it's not how you start the third quarter. It's like, what are you going to do in response? Well, they, they answered that and they were really able to um, uh, really hold them out after that. So I was really impressed with that. Well, and that throw that Penix made the 50 yard throw to Jalen Polk to set up the, the goal line touchdown was probably his best throw. He took a few steps to his left and let it go. Jake, sorry for cutting you off. Uh, just RG3 even mentioned it prior to the half that Boise State, is, even though that they had given up a few quick scores, they were in a perfect position to score before the half, whether it was three or seven, and then come back from half and cut it down to the seven, you know, cut, cut seven more off of that lead and then make a push for Washington. And Boise State did exactly what he had talked about. Mm-hmm. And it still didn't slow the Washington offense down. It still didn't. Sh- it didn't rattle their cage. They, they didn't get nervous at any point, and they just kept going about it. it was like it was business. You know, <clears throat> keep taking the top off of that defense. We have them exposed, and and keep scoring on them in bunches. And going back to right before the half, that that it was the uh, the field goal. Like, what a terrible call to call that a running into the kicker. Uh, I I tweeted that I thought the actors were still on strike. Like that was one of the worst calls I've seen. Well, I don't know if anybody out there or these two guys on the podcast saw my tweet right after that. And I just said, I, for one, would like to be reminded everybody in this room, why we are so grateful to be leaving this conference officiating. That was embarrassing. And I mean, like, I just hope that, the terrible officials that we have in our conference don't move over to the big 10 because that's just embarrassing. There's, there's one thing of if you're a kicker leaving your leg up and letting somebody run into your leg, but he side hopped and turned (laughs) and then got ran into. And that's egregious. If for, if, if you can, if you can 
review uh, uh, an intentional grounding play for a safety, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to review a kicker taking a sidestep and leaving his leg out for way too long and making contact with a def- with, with a defensive player. I mean, it just it, watching that, it just it screamed incompetence to me. I forgot about that when they they called the intentional crowning because they said it didn't go past the line of scrimmage. The line of scrimmage. It was thirteen it was like yards past the line of scrimmage. We <laughs> had break, man. Even we were just sitting here like, man, it's not that's not a it's not going to be a safety. It's not intentional grounding, right? You know, you couldn't even you couldn't even be mad at it as a fan. Yeah, uh, that and Leah, that third quarter had to be fun to be at. It was a lot of fun. I won't lie. Um, you know, I think all of us who had to sit through Montana, even though the Huskies had a win, or sorry, a win, they had a big lead going into halftime. We're all in the back of our head thinking, like, this is this is a darn good team that we're playing. Yeah. They're completely capable of coming back. So credit to Kalen DeBoer, credit to Ryan Grab and all the staff for getting these kids completely prepared for this game because Yes, we had some plays that we'd like to have back, particularly defensively, and particularly the first couple of drives to Trevor and Jake's points about how lackluster we were offensively in the first quarter. But by and large, the body of work that we saw on Mount Lake on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon was excellent. And the third quarter was really fun to watch. It's fun to see true joy coming from our kids. They worked so dang hard in the summer, these dog days. You know, they have a lot of events with uh, dork fans like all three of us to go and glad handle and like thank everybody for coming out. And now they just get to have fun. They get to go out and play, play sports ball. They get to do it. They get to do it in front of all the fans and they deserve that. And they deserve the recognition and the, the kids deserve everybody to come out and cheer for them. Like these guys who didn't have to come back and did, yeah. I'm talking Rome, I'm talking Mike, Jalen, all these guys. So if you can, come next week it's going to be an absolute blowout because these kids are so fun to watch and we're only going to get them this season you have to come and see them because it's just so much fun in the stadium i like i like watching dylan morris be able to fling the football um yeah. when he gets to come in um that jo- that throw to josh cuevas was like you mentioned <laughs> earlier it was an absolute piss missile um that thing was screaming it was a great catch and josh cuevas is athletic holy cow watching yeah. him run the sideline that guy mm-hmm. looks like well who, who was that arizona cardinals receiver trev boston david boston hmm. i do remember him. you don't remember david boston no, I, I said i do remember oh. him yeah, just a big boy, but super freaky athletic and fast. I mean, Josh Cuevas is going to be special. Yeah, and that's how loaded that tight end room is. Is I mean, and there's still another guy. Uh, uh, um, there's still another Otten. What was, yeah, there's an Otten, but there's a, uh, I'm basing on his name, the Independence Community College kid. He didn't get a catch either. Oh, that's uh, going to bother me. It's okay. Um, anyhow, uh, I, I totally agree with you. There's too many weapons on this team for, I think, any defense outside of a team that can just bowl through and get Penix really uncomfortable that's going to be able to run with this team because they're either going to give up the intermediate or the long pass and they're just going to get carved. Go ahead, Leah. I was just going to say, you mentioned making Michael Penix uncomfortable, which he was not. He was extremely comfortable. So shout out to my offensive line. Yeah. They're they're going to continue to be the reason that Washington continues to be elite and it's to protect Mike. Um, 
I would say, I think probably both of you would probably agree that the weakness of the offense continues to be running back, continues to be establishing the running game. Um, obviously, we miss Cam. Wish him the best. Want him to get healthy so he can come back uh, and raring to go next year. But, um, yeah, we need we need to do better. That's one of, I'm sure, the things that Ryan Grubb, Kalen DeBoer are really focusing in on as we head into the big boy weeks. But um, ultimately, we go as Mike Penick's health goes. And yeah. he is healthy because he is very, very seldom touched. And so shout out to our offensive line. Mm-hmm. Quentin Moore was the name I was looking Quentin for. Quentin Moore, yeah. Okay. Um, but to your point, you're absolutely right. Um, I I did feel like they started to find a little bit with the run game once they were able to loosen up the secondary. Uh, I really like the way Will Nixon runs Um, his first uh, his first carry. He got hit right in the thigh pad and he just kind of bounded over it and and ended up with a, with his uh, long of 21 yards on that one. And there's definitely, you know, going for it on fourth and one from the goal line with Dylan Johnson and getting in, like those are things that we didn't see last year. So while I agree, it's still the point of the offense that needs to be fixed the most. I think that there's hopefully some signs that when they're not forcing it, when, when, and I think Ryan Grubb will understand this because he's way smarter than me or Jake um, that, <laughs> Thanks for including <laughs> yourself in that. I got you. Didn't you didn't have to, um, and I appreciate that. I think he's what, also smarter than me, so like, you can include all three of us. I, I, uh, well, you okay. say that with much conviction, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it, use the pass to set up the run. I mean, that's I think that's what you're going to see um, is eventually it'll just be this it'll it'll, the the run will be a screen pass where you're not expecting it and boom it's a 20 yard gain um so i i think that there's ways to use it without using it the conventional way and the great thing about this offensive coaching staff is they're they they can be unconventional and they can find ways to get guys open just watching those trips that they have where the, the the defenders are trying to assess while the receivers are moving, which one is going where uh, is unguardable. And that's when you see Roma Dunze or Jane, like especially Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk yesterday, wide open in the set in deep in the secondary. And then Michael Penix just has a cannon. It was almost like Roma Dunze wasn't even there for the first half. He just (laughs) took it off. And then the second half came in and it was the Roma Dunze show and he mm-hmm. was not having any of it from Boise State cornerbacks. You no. could tell he was chirping the whole time. Like, good luck guarding us. You he got can't... bored. He dropped the ball and picked it up himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was this in the second half or the second quarter that, like, he had a a catch and then he dragged the pile for five extra yards to get inside yeah. the 10-yard line. And then he, then he like dropped the ball and started chirping. And I was like, I like my wide receiving room with a little bit of attitude. It, I mean, he did it in the Alamo you Bowl. Do you remember that? Me. Yeah. Flexing on Texas. Yeah. I was, I was here for that. I think he, I think him and Jalen feel slighted that people consider them the second best wide receiver room in the nation. You know, and you know honest. what else feels slight about that is RG3. Yeah. 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 I don't think they're the second best. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that they want to come out here and they want to prove that they can play better than any wide receiver room in the nation. And I think you're going to see that all damn here. And you know what? It's not just a duo either. Like it's a, it's a bona fide <laughs> trio. Yeah. Um, and you Jaylen can throw Polk. Jeremy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Bernard. Jeremy. Too. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's a cheat code. If he's your fourth, I mean, <laughs> I, he's open. Like he almost that catch in the second quarter where it was in double coverage. He made the catch and, and the defender made a really, really, really good play to get his hand in between him and the ball. But that all was a we catch. heard in camp, all we heard in camp was Denzel Boston, and we didn't even see him. Yeah, yeah, he was out there. He he wasn't targeted though. You're right. I know, but like we didn't really, we didn't hear his name. So yeah. it's like we haven't even seen him yet, and he's supposed to be amazing. So is that like if a bear poops in the wood? Does it really happen? If, if you don't hear <laughs> Denzel Boston's name on the field, was he really there? Who know. had uh, Jake makes a poop joke on the bingo? Uh, that, was me. That? that was me so pay up jake's patting his own stats <laughs> yeah. jake made the i got one game. more to hit my parlay <laughs> <laughs> fumble Your over a big so word you, poop. <laughs> <laughs> so moving into position reviews you know, we've kind of touched on it. Michael Penix is amazing. I don't know if we need to say much more about that. Uh, my favorite throw is the 50-yard throw. What was yours, Leah? I would say probably the one that he hit Roma Dunze with and he, and he moved the pile. Just because of, like, I felt like that was a also kind of a momentum-taking play because Rome hadn't gotten a lot of uh, successful targets because he had been so covered. We'd had a lot of completed throws to other receivers, but he yeah. that was his first big one. So um, it's always nice to see him get that recognition. So that was my favorite of the game. I think I think it was that 50-yarder that it was like a play before he overthrew a receiver, if I'm not mistaken, right, Trev? And it, it was an overthrow, I think, to McMillan, where he didn't put any air under the ball. It was an absolute laser. Yeah. And I was like, dude – would you put some air under the ball? And as I was saying that, he hit that 50-yarder with putting air under the ball. And, uh, okay, all right. It was one of those, can you do this? And as I was finishing my <laughs> sentence, he did it. And I just, I that, that throw will stick out in my mind forever just because of how that transpired. Right. One of the ones that got me was he, he overthrew Jalen McMillan by like 15 yards. And I was like, well, it wasn't even close. And then the flag came out because Jalen McMillan was getting held. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, he, he did miss McMillan on the one touchdown <clears throat> that with the overthrow. Yep. But I don't feel like he's overthrowing as much as he was last year. Right. He's giving his, it's pretty incredible that he can hit the receivers on deep balls in stride as often as he does. And occasionally he'll just overthrow a guy. Right. Um, and they even talked about it on the broadcast, man. Let your receiver have a chance to go get the ball because McMillan wasn't open when he threw it and missed him. But by the time that ball was 10 feet off of his hand, McMillan broke wide open free. So if you had just given him a chance to go up and get it, there was nobody within 10 yards of McMillan. He had flat out burned the coverage. 
And then he's just, he's trotting his way backwards into the end zone. Um, so, you know, I get it. You want to always give your guy a chance to go get the ball, but at the same time, if he keeps making the throws that he's making, I can't complain too much. It's one of those things like you see those deep throws and they're generally like low percentage throws. It's really not with this offense. I, I I think that all of them are going to be caught, you know, because, you know, on the TV camera, you don't see what's on the other end until the camera moves. You know, Leah, you have the best view of that is, you know, that's one of my favorite things about being at a, at a game when the ball is just leaving the hand, you're like, Oh, that's completion. He's wide open. Um, Mm -hmm. But on those deep balls, it's not, it's not a low percentage throw. They're, they're open and he hits them in stride a lot. Mm -hmm. It makes you really appreciate the accuracy that we're dealing with, with Mike, because he can't, I mean, we just, it's a, it's a level of accuracy that I don't feel like I've seen in a very long time. If ever, he's just, he makes difficult throws and he makes them look easy and incredibly accurate. When Jacob Eason was here, we kept hearing about arm talent, right? Over and over and over and over. The kid had a crazy strong arm. We watched it in person. The kid had a crazy strong arm. He could overthrow with the best of them, right? I think Michael Penix has the same intangibles as far as arm strength, how it pops off his hand when the ball when he throws the ball. But he has the accuracy that Jacob Eason didn't have when he decides to throw a deep ball. He's not just flat out throwing as far as he can and saying, just go get it. Right. Go run under it. He's, he's, he's throwing it with the intent of dropping it in their lap as they're running full speed, 40 mm-hmm. yards, 50 yards down the field. And it's incredible. It would be really fun to see Michael Penix throw to John Ross in full stride. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. yeah. Because John, I remember had to slow down. All the time. Balls. Was it was it the Arizona State game where John Ross had he had to stop so much that the defenders Cal. flew past him? Cal, Cal. <laughs> the defenders flew past him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he had because to do the because two we guys don't win at Arizona State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, so I just uh, the Arizona that Arizona State game is just stuck forever. But like John Ross was underthrown so much that he just started pointing to the flags on the f- field that he would get when he would have to try to come back on a ball and, you know, the cornerback wasn't ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, yeah. Michael Penix and John Ross would be fun. Um, yes. You know, we kind of talked about running back receiver. I don't know if there's much more to say. I think this is the mm-hmm. top three in the nation, top four in the nation. If you go that deep, um, it's just, it's, it's really good. Um, it's I unfair think, to everybody. Yeah, else. it really is. Uh, Leah, You've sort of talked about the offensive line. I, there was some shuffling. I saw Julius Bulo out there. Um, I don't know about any other guys on the snap count, but you know, after I wouldn't say leaky first half, they were bringing a lot of pressure uh, in that first half. It seems like the offensive line was just, they were communicating well. It seemed like they didn't really miss a beat once they really got their feet under mm-hmm. them in the second half, the second quarter. Yeah, and I mean, like, let's let's not forget that we lost a couple of guys on our line last year. We got the you know, entire we got interior Rod- line. Yeah, we got Big Raj coming back, and uh, Trey Fotanu, but we lost like Viney and Corey Luciano and Jackson Kirkland. So, like, those are big names. Okay, so like, 
there's a lot of reasons to be like a little nervous coming into this game because again, Boise State is not a bad team. They're in fact a very good team. So there's lots of reasons to be nervous about that. Knowing that Mike's protection really uh, hinges on our season. So really like Coach Huff, like shout out to him to get these guys ready. Um, I am an honorary member of the offensive line. So I'm a little hurt that I wasn't invited to the barbecue at Coach Huff's house <laughs> since I am so close. But I, I also am like a third of their size, so I kind of get it. But at the same time, like super shout out to those guys. They are never going to go unrecognized by me in any game that, you know, Mike is seldom touched. And he had a couple of hits early, real soft ones. But when we were playing well, when Mike was in stride, like you could just tell he felt relaxed because he was completely protected. Did you notice that on one of the plays that he kind of ran, Trev, that he came up a little limp? Yes, I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I, I was having a panic attack. No, like, yep, what we, yep, 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 yep. Our season's over before it already started. Mm-hmm. I, could, I couldn't handle it mentally. And we it, all and know. They were lo- I think I they were losing when it happened too. So like, put that on top too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I. I feel like I need to use my therapy skills on both of you during these games to just calm everybody <laughs> down. Probably won't work for me during the Husky game because I will need to using those skills on myself. It might work for Seahawks games for you because I don't care, but I can actually serve as a help for that. But for Husky games, I have to use those breathing techniques on myself too. I need a paper bag to breathe in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm usually the optimist. I, I try to it, you know things are gonna things are gonna pan out. But I'm I've been I didn't too... know that from your twelve and zero prediction. I can't. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's his homer side. You yeah, know, one side, that's like you have a devil and an angel on your shoulders. He has an optimistic guy and, and a, a dude. homer side. And a dude. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's Harry the Husky with angel's wings just whispering <laughs> in my ear, and then just Mister Positive on your other shoulder. Yeah, it's all your credibility. See, they're gonna go twelve and zero. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Heck yeah. He's got guys on both shoulders going, just 12 and 0, baby. 12 and 0. We're going to win everything. And it's just a giant EDM party in his head. (laughs) 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 That's all you hear all the time. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, the music stopped. When Michael Penix didn't get up, (laughs) the music stopped. I want to take a vacation in Trevor's brain. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> it's a nice place, but it's tiring. It's the totally opposite of Charlie Sheen's brain, right? You couldn't laugh more <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Trevor's the polar opposite. <laughs> Everything is awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about defense? Like who stood out to you on the on the defense and the edge and the defense yeah. Thank you. Uh thank you for that transition. Uh defensive line, somebody that Jake and I have talked about is somebody that's really important, especially for depth. Jacob Bandis was moving bodies. Um, that's the best game I've seen him play as a husky. Um in that second half, especially the pocket was just collapsing and it was because I saw 55 in the middle of that a lot. Uh, that's not to discount uh, Ulumo Ale, Trefatanu, Tulitu, Gasanoa, but Jacob Bandis was such a big time player when he was brought to Washington. Jake, I feel like we've talked about him the entire lifetime of this podcast and to see him really make an impact today was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, I'm glad that you brought his name up because uh, I was very, very impressed with him. If he keeps playing the way that he's been playing, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. It's going to be hard to keep him off the ones. I mean, realistically, the guy has absolutely balled out in, in the first short <laughs> period of you know gameplay that he's had. But uh, I, I, I only see him getting better as the season goes and pushing offensive linemen back into the quarterback's laps. I don't know if he's going to get attributed with many sacks, but Doesn't when matter. quarterbacks, yeah, when quarterbacks are uncomfortable, and then you have Javar Muhammad out there just watching the ball and being on top of guys all the time, it's only good for that defense, and and that's the kind of player that we've been waiting for him to be. It's he's a mini um, Greg Gaines. Oh, oh, no. that's high praise. That's high praise. That's what he was yesterday. Just collapsing, yeah, like kinda, collapsing kinda. the pocket. It was unbelievable. The only difference is Greg Gaines never left the field. Oh, 100%. I mean, many Greg Gaines. So <laughs> We're not ready to put a bandage tattoo on your back yet? <laughs> I do have an extra <laughs> shoulder blade, but... On your Mount Rushmore of Washington Husky <laughs> football players. <laughs> Very specific Washington Huskies. <laughs> um, Edge, you know, the, the sack numbers weren't there. Um mm-hmm. You know, the only there was only one sack, and it was a linebacker who got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a mobile quarterback. Uh, I thought the defensive line as a whole, it was it, you can't look at like Braylon Trice and Zion Two of Palofe Patui. Sorry about that one. Um, as you know, sack sack getters or whatever, you had to look the defensive line as a whole, and after some leakage uh, of the running backs. At times, I felt like they did a really good job of just being a wall. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, you know, if we're holding a team like Boise State to 19 points, <laughs> I- I'm not going to sit here and get upset about uh, ZTF and Braylon not getting sacks. You know, if we have more of a pocket passer and we're getting torched and we're also not getting sacks, then I'm a little bit more upset. So right so we're going to we're going to see more of that. I'm looking for more of it next week and potentially against Michigan State as well. But um, I, you know, if we're if we're able to keep contain and not chase him out of the pocket for a big game like we did a couple of times, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, and it also it also goes even a little bit deeper than that too. If you do look at the numbers, you know they're that they're a running football team. They yeah. mentioned it multiple times. They had 135 rushing yards. That's not a huge day. They had two, Green had 31. They have two lead backs, and mm-hmm. they rushed for 135 yards on this defense. That's not a good number. For you to want to control the entire time, the clock of the game, and to run and pound the ball and run the ball, yeah, they had a couple of pretty good runs, right? But mm-hmm. they, they didn't gash this defense for multiple I, – I would have expected them to have 200 rushing yards by the end of this game. And for them to have 135 is a huge win for that defense. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. I think it's completely reasonable to do that, especially if like 135 and you're, again, um, two touchdowns, um, two field goals, and one of the field goals was an absolute gift. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, Linebackers, you know, all four of them contributed in a big way. Yeah. Eddie was second on the team with six total tackles, five unassisted. Uh, Goforth had four. Bruner had three. Tupatala had three. Bruner also had 
<laughs> a gift wrapped interception. <laughs> Taylor Green literally threw it to him. Uh, great play. One of my favorite people and players on the team. It was awesome to see him be, I don't know, get, maybe it was his birthday or something. He just gave it right to him. Uh, linebackers, I thought, played really well. Um, the, I did, I'm going to shout out, I'm going to shout out my seatmate at Raise the Roof. Uh, and that's oh, yeah. Alfonso Tupatala. So a uh, super sweet, soft-spoken guy and neat to see him play so well. Uh, he's super excited for this season. So uh, I'm glad that he got a couple of uh, tackles. They just, I mean, they over-pursued on two screen plays. Other than that, mm-hmm. I thought they played really, really well. Jake? Yeah. yeah, I was very happy with the linebacking core. Um, you know, we mentioned it before, not huge rushing numbers. Um, it's very hard against a, a mobile quarterback to keep the rushing numbers low. Um, and then, you know, to help on play action passing and and be out there covering, helping cover in moments. You mentioned the burner interception. I think that that was a, a, a last gasp. I'm going to get sacked and I just need to get rid of this. We're, we're on the verge of getting blown out. Yeah. And that was just, <clears throat> that was just the strawberry on the top of the cake, right? Um, Bruner has the worst open field moves I've ever seen in my life. I think I could have avoided him in that situation with my bad knees. Yeah, Leah, I know I'm lying. It's wrong. No, no, no. (laughs) What cake are you eating, dude? (laughs) Who puts a strawberry on top of their cake? (laughs) Me? Oh, on my funnel funnel cake. I put a strawberry on top of my funnel cake today. Okay, Bubba? Hey. Fair food. I was just going to ask you, Jake, do you think his uh, moves in like to get post interception are worse than his dance moves? I'm curious to hear your take. As a guy that's known to get down with the dance moves, um, I think they coincide. If you can (laughs) dance, you can juke. I just, it's a thing. My favorite thing about Carson Bruner is he goes air guitar a lot. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) it's, but if you have the full extension, it's totally okay. (laughs) When you try to rip it tight, that's the problem. I would like to hear a full little riff of Jake's on air guitar technique. I would actually (laughs) really like that. I think so would our listeners. Actually, that's on the Patreon page. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's for subscribers only my so wow. quick, we're losing quick. subscribers as i, as I watch <laughs> the numbers go down down to oh, our dads shoot Qu- quick side Dang. story quick side story non-football related you mentioned air guitar when i first met my wife we were going out on a date it was like our second or third date and I got there to her house before she did. And I was sitting in the car. Freebird comes on. <laughs> I start ripping the air guitar. <laughs> and she walks up behind me and is watching me for way too long. Did you hit the whammy bar? In the side mirror. And was, yeah, it was so embarrassed. So embarrassed. Worst. I just gave. Did I lose this week? Because there's my, <laughs> there's my confession. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's hilarious. Gosh, uh, shout out to Jake's wife for tolerating that. She's, pa- she's patient. <laughs> Clearly. She saw the air guitar and she's like, that's the father of my children. 
<laughs> that guy has moves. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think that they found the combination for the defensive backfield. Uh, I really liked where everybody was. Dominic Hampton was really good. Um, he was all over the field. He's him and Asa Turner. Asa Turner made a couple of really good plays throughout the course of the game. Devon Banks, I think, is probably your other starter now. He just looked so confident after really struggling last year. Um, we've already talked about Jabbar Mohammed. I love the Husky position um, for Mish Powell. I just, I really like it. And there's guys behind him that I that I am very comfortable with playing. I mean, Cam Fab is an uh, a usual starter, and he was out there making plays. Um, biggest biggest need <clears throat> for an upgrade I, I feel like has made the first step in becoming uh, a major factor in in this season i'm glad that you mentioned asa turner because i feel like i had been pretty down on him in previous years with his ability to break down to fly and make a tackle right yeah. that play in the flats that he made was exactly what i've been looking for asa turner to do this entire career that he's been here to get downfield, that was fly, and play, make yeah. a play. Yeah, it was incredible. I was so happy when I saw that. He he showed the enthusiasm that I wanted to see. He came up, he made a big-time stick, and he got pumped about it. And and for Asa Turner, to, if he plays that way the rest of the year, this defense is going to grow exponentially better throughout every game. Completely agree. Echo that. Man, good vibes. Good vibes I mean, only. What a What a good – Three quarters. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't ask for better. You go in and, you know, you have Tulsa next week. It should be another offensive master class. And then you go to Michigan State and watching Michigan State. I, that's good. Uh, as we've said multiple times, Hodeski barbecue chicken there that defense is going to get torched and their offense looked pretty bad against western michigan i central michigan i absolutely love the way that they stacked the schedule this year right because i i feel a heck of a lot better about this win and week one than i do about beating portland state 81 to whatever nine whatever it is but also now you set yourself up with your version of portland state next week before what's supposed to be your toughest non-conference schedule game yeah, and, and, and getting yourself right before you get in and, and, and find that PAC 12 schedule. I, I love the way that they did that this year. I would go, I would go for this every year moving forward. My only criticism of that is I would prefer to have um, Oregon state or USC on the road in September versus yeah. both of them in November. That's my yeah. only criticism, but I can't get too mad about it because I think we're, going to be primed for those games but i only reason i say that is because i think we're just a little bit more fresh but i think also we're seasoned in november so there's this kind of like pick your point yeah and we don't get a we don't really get any say in conference uh mm-hmm. schedules but non-conference yeah. i think you can't get much better than what you got um i agree looking around the conference you know a part of me is like man you know the last year it's like a little little too little 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 too little, little too late. <laughs> little too little, little. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> like uh, you ever you ever seen that movie, The Breakup, with uh, 
Um, yeah, Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Aniston, and who's the guy? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Where all of a sudden they break up, and he starts becoming this great guy, you know. And but it's too late, too little, too late. There we go. But at the same time, like this is kind of the top of the cycle for the conference in general. You you look at the best. The, I mean, it's top to bottom. It's a fantastic league right now. But it's going to look a lot different next year, even if there was a Pac-12. Uh, Oregon would have a new quarterback. USC is going to have a new quarterback. Washington's going to have a new quarterback. Oregon State's going to have a new quarterback. Utah's going to have a new quarterback. Um, just a lot of turnover. But the thing I'll say about it, like the overall health of it, especially with the coaching staffs that are in place right now, the coaching staffs are pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to count Colorado in there because I don't know if Deion Sanders is going to be there long term. But you look at everybody else. I mean, it seems like they're really, really good fits for where they are. And, you know, it's incalculable missteps by two conference commissioners and a bunch of presidents that destroyed it. But Pac-12 goes 12-0. and That's kind of wild. I mean, Utah beat Florida handily. Obviously, our game. <clears throat> Colorado beats TCU. Like, pretty good week for the conference. I think it's just it, it speaks to the the depth of our conference, even like the bottom feeders this year who are going to be like, you know, Arizona State, Stanford, those type of teams. Even they are able to, to win. I think it makes the pundits out there who predict uh, the Pac-12 to get trounced week in and week out. Uh, shout out to Big Game Boomer who picked Washington Boise State as his upset pick of the week. How'd that turn out for you, buddy? Um, this this league um, you know, though it is in its swan song this year, um, is very formidable, and we're going to make a lot of noise. I think it's, it makes everybody look good. Um, obviously, we want to, we want to root for everybody to win, even if it means the mighty Trojans of Jennifer Cohen's USC Trojans. Um, I want them to look good unless they're playing Washington, and then I want them to absolutely get curb stomped. I will also be okay with rooting for Notre Dame when they play them. I might even be convinced to, you know, root for Oregon against USC, although like I, that might be a pinch. So all to say that the league is looking really strong this year. Um, there's going to be no gimmies. We're going to have to really show up for all of these games. So looking forward to, you know, as Jake mentioned in our, a couple of our previous podcasts ago, talking about the Tulsa game, the biggest things are obviously to come out with a win, get reps for our second and third string guys. And the very most important thing is to get out of there injury free. That's the most important thing. Even if you, you know, don't get as much reps for the second and third string guys, absolutely get out of there injury free. Yeah. And use it and use that for uh Michigan state preview. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you gotta, you gotta go out there with the intent of using the type of plays that you're going to use against Michigan. What's going to work. What's not going to work. And, uh, and find out what's going to happen. What are some other things that you guys saw in week zero, week one of the season that you guys are interested in following? I think that's a development of uh, Coach Prime at, at Colorado. Certainly that was a huge surprise. Obviously good for the conference that that happened, but wondering if that can be sustained. Um, and then just seeing the development of everybody else in the league, just seeing how we do every week. But uh, that was really intriguing to me to see them go to a team that played in the national championship game last year, although they lost a lot of their folks. So like, let's not get too excited about that, but a road win's a road win and Colorado in the last three, four, five years, hasn't gotten a lot of those. So shout out to coach prime for getting it done. Mine was uh, watching the game tonight, actually the Florida state LSU game. And 
keeping Washington in my mind while watching those two teams battle. Uh, seeing how I thought that Washington would stack up against two top 10 teams and seeing if our offense can score against um, some of those defenses out there. LSU's defense flies around. They're quick. Florida State's defense is big and strong and powerful. And and the more top 10 matchups that I get to watch and kind of see how I think Washington stacks up against these, I think our defense would struggle, especially early week one. I think our defense would struggle against these guys, um, these top 10 teams that have pretty formidable offenses. But um, our offense, I think, can score with the best of anyone. Um, I think maybe Georgia's defense could could wrangle our offense a little bit better than most teams could. But I still think that this offense can can score with the best of anybody. You know, t- talking about the LSU game, like it's so weird to see um, uh, Jaden Daniels playing it in in a game with that magnitude. Like it must be somebody I, I couldn't imagine, like going to high school with you know a movie star or something like that, and and watching them you know on the big screen or something. Like oh yeah, I remember that guy from back in the day. Like <laughs> he was an Arizona State quarterback and he was fine. Yeah, right. it's it's really weird to see him on an, on the national stage like this. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and and did LSU of all places and a team that has national championship aspirations. Um, but I mean, me and Leah were kind of just talking about that LSU game not too long ago, and I even said if if LSU had a quarterback, that team's scary good, and I don't think Jaden Daniels is the answer for LSU. So. It, do you disagree, Trevor? No, I totally agree. I, yeah. that, that was all like, yeah, obviously. Like, yeah, I just, I, I don't I, even know if he was, was he a, he was a top half quarterback in the conference when he was here. Was he? I guess. Top half, maybe. No, uh, I think, uh, I think, I think he, he torched Washington because he played Washington against uh, Bob Gregory's coaching. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to think about <laughs> the other guys that were here when he was there, but. He was never in the con- in a in a conversation for like an all conference. No, you know, uh, even an honorable mention. It I just I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, it's very strange to see him quarterbacking. I mean, they're not the number five team overall. That's going to drop them. Washington's going to probably jump into the nine spot. Strange. Uh, I I also agree with you, Jake. I think this offense is going to be able to run with anybody. It doesn't really matter necessarily who they're playing i mean obviously they're going to be out physical in the trenches against a georgia or a or a alabama but these are nfl receivers that michael panix is throwing to and michael panix is an nfl quarterback so um you know it's i'm not, I'm not going to put money on washington beating any of those teams but I, I expect them to move the ball week one really nice for the conference everybody won we'll see about next week closing thoughts by either of you I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully having a lot of people at the stadium. I know that every season ticket holder is being given two extra seats um, for the game. So uh, if you can go to the game, I think the kids would really appreciate it. It's not going to be quite so hot. It's going to be probably pushing 74 versus 88 at game time. So a lot more pleasant of an atmosphere in terms of just weather. Um, It's it's your last opportunity to catch the dogs for a couple of weeks. Um, And then we had to, Michigan and then straight into Pac-12 season. So if 
Saturday was any indication of how this year is going to go. There's a lot of reasons to be really excited and fired up for this team and a lot of reasons to want to go to the games to catch them if you can. Um, so just please go out and catch them. They're a lot of fun. There's a lot, there's at least four wide receivers that are probably going to be playing on Sundays pretty soon. So get your tickets while you can and because they're not going to be in purple and gold for all that long. And they're so much fun to watch. The games are awesome. Um, the food isn't good, but it's cheap-ish. So <laughs> come out and watch the team play, please. Yeah, we're giving it another try. Hopefully none of our kids are sick. You know, neither one of my kids are sick this time. So um, we'll be there. I'm excited for it. So for Trevor Mueller, Jake Grant, UW Leah. Go ahead, Jake. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>